five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually by Sam at another Sam Chan, as well as Omni at Omni Strife. Welcome, gentlemen, to an episode where we are going to share some big news. But before we get into that big news, how have the two of you been? I was very close to uh, getting the color back on, but not close enough. Other than that, everything's going pretty well. Yeah, you you know, I, I the only thing I was thinking of Friday morning was the possibility that we would get to see you in color <laughs> once again. Not this week. Not this week. No. And how are you, uh, West Coast, Best Coast? I'm just here so I won't get fined. I like how you got your hat down, you're rocking the hoodie, like just rolling in the uh It's not podcast. our best hour. Oh, are you not, sad? Not our worst either. Mm. <laughs> Let's not I like, go down that alley. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those of you watching our stream, as we have been coming to you live each and every week over the past I want to say this is about a month long. Uh, this is going to continue for those of you tuning into the podcast as you normally do on Wednesdays at high noon when this podcast goes live. Uh, we are going to shake things up. Like I, I, I want to tell everyone what the, the big news happens to be. I truly do. But then once the news is, is, is out of the bag, like what do we do next? It's not fun anymore. Everybody tunes off. I mean, there's, there's been so many people asking, like, okay, man, dude, what's going on? Like, uh, did you lose a bet? What does this mean? And I keep telling people, you know, Wednesday, which I just want to point out for anyone who actually subscribes to us on Twitch, you get access to our Wednesday emote because all the greatest news breaks on Wednesdays after our podcast goes live. But this news, this news, this news is breaking Tuesday, unless you're tuning into the podcast after the fact and you don't watch the live stream. Um, but uh, yeah, I also teased that we had a special guest joining us uh, for this particular episode. Now, live stream, you won't see the special guest, unfortunately, uh, just because of logistical uh, reasons, we have elected to have our special guest join us uh, in the regular podcast. So when this goes live, for those tuning in, you'll actually be able to listen to uh, him. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Uh, our special guest is the co-founder and chief strategy officer of Overactive Media, which for those that don't know, is the parent of the Toronto Defiant, uh, also the Mad Lions and the uh, the uh, Call of Duty franchise, among other things, Adam Adamo. He joined us and he spoke to us for just under an hour, providing us some fabulous context to the Overwatch League, some fabulous uh, context on, on the operation of the Toronto Defiant. We talked about merch. We talked about poutine. We talked about so many things. And yes, Katrina, who is here in chat, you did guess right. And the difficulty was, is I, I didn't want to simply say, oh, you got it, because you were the first guess. 
But see, you you follow this podcast so well, you knew exactly what we were uh, we were looking to to get into. So again, for those of you tuning into the stream, you'll have to listen to our podcast, which goes live tomorrow, to hear everything that uh, Adam has to say. But we are going to talk a little bit about uh, some of that in this live stream. You want to know the worst part of all of this? Other than us feeling super dirty. Is Adam was probably the best interview we've ever done, hands down. And we've done a lot. And that's with all due respect to all the guests that have come before us. But Adam, Adam let it all out. And that's without even mentioning the other like half an hour, hour we had off the record. Hmm. Oh, here's, here's <laughs> Alex dropping the juice. <laughs> But no, I I actually I, I second what uh, Sam probably did. Again, you you need to tune into our podcast to hear what Adam had to say because uh, it was it was phenomenal. But this is a, a live stream where we want to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, Vancouver Titans. As we are, we we talk about being the premier source for the Vancouver Titans. So we're going to talk a little bit about the matchup that they had against the Toronto Defiant just this past weekend. Uh, the prelim or the sort of play in to the uh, May Mayhem uh, tournament. Uh, we're also going to get into uh, the fray as we normally do. We'll talk about the results of the tournament, uh, some changes that have happened within the Overwatch League itself. We've got uh, some Overwatch uh, news, some Blizzard news, and uh, you know what? There's probably a lot of other things we'll just get into over the course of this episode. And as I've said, the interview, which again, if you were tuning into the live stream, I'm sorry. Can't provide it to you here, but make sure you download the podcast as you would normally do. It goes high, uh, live Wednesday at high noon. So, you know what? Let's uh, get ourselves into the payload. Moving the payload. Join me. So, before we talk about the actual match between the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant, on Friday morning, again, this kicked off early on Friday, 10 a.m., the Vancouver Titans announced the addition of their seventh player. That is correct. The Vancouver Titans not only announced a new addition to the roster, but that new addition started and played in the match itself. That is correct. The Vancouver Titans, if you haven't already heard, signed a player by the name of Shockwave. Uh, Shockwave is actually formerly of the Montreal Rebellion. He, too, uh, played on Ping, similar to what we had seen uh, in previous weeks from Suna, but as well as what we've seen from KSA. And when I saw the announcement... I kind of had sort of my own internal question marks because his hero pool is very similar to that of Dalton and Suna. And I think for anyone who follows the Vancouver Titans, follows uh, Ray Set Pwn, you knew that that wasn't necessarily the area that we had thought they needed to address. But regardless, Player 7 was announced, and guess what? Vancouver Titans put him into the starting lineup. Now, not to be outdone, the Toronto Defiant also brought in a player of their own. We'll talk more about that uh, in the fray. But you had two teams kicking off the Battle of Canada in what was arguably supposed to be a David versus Goliath matchup. I mean, we here at Team RSP uh, did not have too much confidence in the Vancouver Titans going into this fight. Uh, but boy, uh, were we surprised. So let's talk a little bit about the, the match itself. So uh, the Vancouver Titans, Toronto Defiant, kick things off with the Vancouver Titans looking much like they have in the past. Uh, the first four matches that we saw them play always started off 
in a difficult fashion. Uh, there didn't seem to be much coordination. You had Shredlock going in aggressively. You had main support, uh, well, both support, quite frankly, unable to, to keep him up. Uh, he would be an early pick, and then things would cascade from there. And uh, beyond the fact that the Toronto Defiant looked like they were just going to coast from that point on, I'm not entirely sure what much more we can add about that first control map. Especially the fact that you uh, go, our team went with the Echo Echo pick. Mm-hmm. And at least in that first map, we went against that Reaper May, very bulky, very, really hard to dive on. And once you get the control first, it's really hard to contest. And it felt like a bad start, to be honest. It didn't really feel close. Uh, luckily, though, the tides uh, did turn as we went, uh, went ahead to the other maps. Well, and that's the thing. Like we saw Shockwave come in on Echo on right. on Li Jang, and uh, he didn't seem to be contributing a whole lot in that moment. He was present. Yeah, but that was that was essentially so showing up for class. Players, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, uh, quite frankly, the Toronto Defiant handed the Vancouver Titans the loss that we expected on the first map. So going into the second map now. With the way the Mayhem term worked, there were no hero pools. The loser picked the map. So the Vancouver Titans had the ability to now pick a map that they felt would better suit their strengths. And in doing so, suddenly looked like a team that had, one, been playing for quite some time, and two, and I don't mean this facetiously, knew how to play. Right. Like It was night and day between what we saw in that control matchup uh, to then what we saw subsequently next. The Vancouver Titans looked by far to be the superior team in that matchup. We saw uh, Shockwave decide to go, you know, and simply consume Defiant as if he was, you know, going through the buffet line in Toronto. Like, oh, go ahead. He was putting out so much damage. He got to the ult very, very quickly. And I liked what he did with the ults, really. He went uh, mostly for the tanks. So there was a good uh, uh, Winston Echo action there. Uh, but what came really, uh, really uh, made us look better than Defiant in this map is the fact that uh, Orisa and Sigma, when when Shredlock plays that role and, and KSA is playing on that Sigma, they looked much better than their uh, Tor- Torontonian uh, counterparts, yeah. and uh, they definitely look like a good team. Usually, we were punished for our over aggressive, uh, you know, attack, but suddenly it it looked better. It looked better, and and Dalton felt like he had more uh, room to maneuver with with an with an additional DPS that puts out so much firepower. Mm-hmm. And we were definitely looking like, not just like a competitive team, but the better team out of the two that we were playing. Yeah, like what is what does an aggressive Arissa look like anyway? <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. it's we uh, BMing with uh, with her uh, voice lines. <laughs> we were sort of joking in in RSP Chord that maybe Arissa was the hero that Shredlock was born to play. And, and the the funny thing was is like let's look at what Arissa did to Bumper. I mean, Bumper and Shredlock were W key main tanks. Bumper on Arissa was like, oh my goodness, the end of days. Shredlock on Orisa was like, my man, you are unreal. It's just amazing how one hero can swing two different to uh, you know sides of the spectrum when it comes to uh, how a, a player is able to adapt and, and play around that particular character. But I mean Hollywood itself looked like Hollywood North of old. 
I, at no point in time did it appear to me that the Vancouver Titans themselves were going to lose. Now, granted, the Defiant were able to go and uh, almost slow down, I guess the best way to describe it, the snowball that took a effect on the, the Titans' attack. But on the uh, defense, yeah, the Titans were in control. Like it, it, At worst, we're like, ah, you know what? We're going to have some solid time. And then suddenly it's like, winnable, winnable, winnable. My goodness, they won. Yeah, and then the composure wasn't lost despite like losing a fight here and there, something that really was an occurrence in the previous matches. Yeah, Hollywood seems to be like their favorite map. I think that's the one they won against uh, Washington as well. Uh, it was, yes. Three-one, yeah. yeah. So, you know, now we had talked about this on the episode. We had said that if the Vancouver Titans are able to get a convincing win, it is possible that that might help um, not only motivate them, show, you know, anything's possible, but possibly distract the Defiant from really what they had found success in that first map. So we go into the Temple of Anubis. Defiant picked this map. And again, the Vancouver Titans look solid. Like at at first, it it occurred to me that it was going to be one of those sort of long back and forth fights nonstop. uh, And then suddenly the Titans simply slammed the door shut. Mm Witnessed um, by 50, 55,000 viewers on uh, YouTube for this match. Yeah. Like, and again, I, we saw Shockwave simply have his way with the Defiant. Uh, we saw Dalton being freed up to do some crazy things. Shred look, Shred Lock, sorry, uh, looked, uh, again, very solid in, in his role on main tank. And one of the things that I think that also allowed for was the Vancouver Titan support line to then actually be able to be present in sort of, you know, that, that bunker. And that allowed them to, to keep their team, right. uh, you know, alive, for, for lack of a better description. I'd also want to say, before we move on from this map, that in this map, in particular, Toronto looked really discombobulated, not really oh, yeah. communicating. There was those uh, six-man uh, nade by Kareev that people pointed out at Nobody did anything, so it well, was really strange to six man nade. That was like a called shot. Like he skyballed right. that, right? And and yeah, no, absolutely no follow up. So whether innocent. yeah, whether there was a lack of communication or maybe he had muted himself and, and didn't know. Maybe his teammates were googling who Zick is. <laughs> maybe we don't know, but yeah, it was really weird. But here you have the Vancouver Titans now up two to one, and it's. Yeah, quite apparent that the Defiant are like, holy smokes. So they pick Rialto, and Rialto's been a tough map for this version of the Vancouver Titans. Yet, on that defend, I mean, we saw a moment where where Shockwave was able to go, and I think he got a 4K before he ended up dropping. Um, But he was going unbelievably ham. The problem, the Vancouver Titans attack on Rialto, not as effective. I don't know what it is about that map, but the Titans struggle because they they get the payload across the bridge around the first corner, and it's that choke that they have yet to figure out how to effectively get through without investing a significant amount of time, a significant amount of alt economy, and subsequently putting themselves behind the eight ball, you know, moving forward. Again, Shockwave, he was by far the best player. I mean, he was doing some unreal things. At one point, he even flanked on the defend to go as an Orissa to try to get them in a crossfire. Uh, you know, again, playing as Echo and getting to then play whatever character he wants. Yeah. And yet, 
Titans, unfortunately, couldn't slow down that uh, Toronto-defiant attack. And at this point, we also saw Kareev start to maybe flex a little. Mm-hmm. So that takes us into Nepal. Vancouver Titans, having lost this one, got to choose it. And we saw some interesting things on Nepal. And I don't know, is this a control map thing? Is this the, the Vancouver Titans kryptonite Rialto and control? Yeah, there were a few mistakes there that might have been avoidable. But like like we said before, a lot of communications, maybe it's due to ping. Um, we lose Shredlock a lot in those maps when there's no like particular path to follow. Uh, it happens. Maybe it's uh, a weakness in the support line. Maybe it's a weakness uh, in, in our tank line. But we definitely don't look as, as solid or as, as sustainable as we do in the other maps. I think a big part of of our success in the two maps we won was a lot of shockwave flanking, mm-hmm. and and in control, it's it's just you know you're you're guarding a circle, right? So it's right. flanking isn't isn't as much like prevalent, and they really kind of lived and died by that. Like I know the cams were on shockwave a lot, but I think what what we can't tangibly see is when the focus is on, you know, everybody trying to avoid shockwave and until, you know, at some points during one of the maps, Zick finally said, I've had enough of this one V one and, and they had some success. Right. But the key part was actually shockwave was distraction to the rest of the team. Actually, first of all, staying alive, which I think is the key point to any map. They want is, is shredlock stayed alive. Right. Like I can't emphasize how key that is when he dies games over. Um, and whether you want to put that on shred, you want to put that on the support line. Like I think both sides a, a little bit, and we've, we've talked about this before. Um, but I think that's when like, I think Omni in, in some chat, you were saying like, Hey, we have a really good DPS line. And that, I think that's what it ha- allows everybody to do is, is have that space to right. survive. <laughs> and, and we didn't do a lot of that in Nepal to be quite yeah. frank. And we already talked about, uh, Shredlock, So I just want to. Bring, you know, bring mention to his uh, bumper-esque stall on the diva, <laughs> on the baby diva, and he just smashed into her, but she still lived. It was it brought a tear to my eye, really. The um, the thing that we saw in Nepal, though, was, again, sort of the, the difficulty in duplicating that success. I get, yes, flanking was an issue, but look at like how our support then suddenly changes, um, where it seems to be out of sync with the tank lineup that we have. We also see when things start to go awry, someone like KSA almost, I wouldn't say freelance, but try to, you know, almost do a little bit more than he should. Yeah. Uh, Dalton starts to, to do that where it's like, okay, I got to, you know, in, it's the individual trying to pick someone up and put them on their shoulders. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. You saw Kareeb do this. Like, I mean, on his right. Zen at one point, uh, there was, he could have been DPS support and, heck, main tank while he was at it. He just There wasn't anything the Vancouver Titans could do to get near him. And yet he was able to go and dish out the damage. Um, the Titans just didn't have an answer to that. And yet when they continued to to sort of throw themselves at that wall, they finally accepted, well, we got to make changes. But the changes were weird. Like at one point, I think Shred went on on Wrecking Ball. Yeah. And essentially fed. I and mean, he, had, he had, he was, I could see what he was trying to do. He was trying to get in and dive and disrupt. But he got stalled. And <laughs> once he you get stalled, his ball. Literally dropped the ball on that map. That was like the only map that I was really disappointed because because up to that point i believe that like, we had all the momentum and we played a little oh, bit better it. when you average out the the maps but this one in particular was very rough we played really really badly yeah yeah so unfortunate 
the Toronto Defiant won Nepal, uh, two to one. But arguably, if we were to go and look, yes, the Vancouver Titans lost three two. But we were provided one of the most entertaining matches that we as Vancouver Titans fans have actually seen this season. And I think that says a lot because, yes, the Vancouver Titans did get two wins with that old roster. But those two wins weren't, I would, they weren't really entertaining. They were more worrisome because our expectations were so high. Whereas this was the reverse. Our expectations were so low and we started (laughs) to see, no, but I mean, in fairness, we started to see that light that we sort of talked about. We think about it, like when the Vancouver Titans faced the Washington Justice, there was sort of this light. You could see the potential. And then it was the Florida Mayhem. Uh, then it was the Gladiators. Then it was the Fusion. And we're not, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and if we actually consider the way the tournament worked out, three very good teams that we probably didn't show enough respect to. So I actually feel having seen what they were able to accomplish against the Defiant, having the opportunity with a few weeks now of of practice time, scrim time, development time to build upon it. Like there is the beginnings of a foundation to to see it through the 2020 season. Yeah. Uh, There is some flexibility in the roster now to be sure. Yeah. And, you know, much respect to the Toronto Defiant as well. They won the Battle of Canada. I mean, right now there have been two matches over the two seasons they've been in the league, and it is a tie 1-1. So the next time the two were to meet up, I presume that will be the, the rubber match, winner take all the poutine. Are we going to do aggregate, though? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Got to make ourselves feel good somehow, right? But but I think I think one thing I'll say about the Define is, is Zick was decent. Mm-hmm. And and I think as Zick looked decent, the the talk came out. It's like, oh, why did why didn't the Titans get this guy? And I think that's what we're gonna get a lot of the ne- the rest of the season is every time someone from tier two, every time someone comes unsigned as a rookie comes up, is we're gonna hear, oh, why didn't the Titans sign this guy? They need blank, right? We need a lot of everything, right? Yeah. But I don't like, think anyone will complain about Shredlock after his match. He was nuts. Yeah, yeah no, he he well <clears throat> outside of the shock, shock waiver Shredlock. Oh, shockwave! Sorry, yeah, no, no. Shred, Shredlock looked quite quite well. The photoshops they in the three in the middle. Um, Zick's on a on a two week contract, so maybe Shred there's wave. an opportunity. Um, any final words about the the match here before we uh, take ourselves a a quick break? Mm, I want to rematch like right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's see if we can arrange it. I mean, it's uh, only uh, eight p.m. Pacific. I'm sure the uh, Defiant are up, and we know the Titans are because they're streaming right now. But uh, for those of you watching the stream, we are going to take ourselves into the fray. For those listening to the podcast, we're actually going to introduce you to Adam Adamu, the chief, co-founder and chief strategy officer of Overactive Media, uh, and he is going to tell us a lot about his world, the Toronto Defiant, and provide you some context that, quite frankly. Many of us here in Vancouver have just been thirsting for. So you don't want to miss this. There is still more to my tale. So we're joined now by our very special guest, Adam Anu, who works for uh, Overactive uh, Media. And you might have heard me refer to him previously. He has a longtime listener of our podcast and occasionally uh, shares with us kind words. Um, and Adam, I, I want to thank you again for for connecting with us and uh, you know saying that you'd like to to come on this uh, podcast episode and and chat a little bit about the Overwatch scene here in Canada. So thank you. You're welcome. Actually, I've been I've been following you guys since the beginning, 
And now that you guys are, you know, kind of at the bottom of the rankings along with <laughs> us, they kind of feel they feel more connected to you guys now. They've got more in common. <laughs> you know, considering the number of times, and I'm going to single out Sam here. I mean, it, it, for anyone who follows the podcast, Sam really ensures that the Vancouver Toronto rivalry exists. So, I mean. I mean, Adam's been around for a while. I, I think he understands the importance of having a healthy rivalry. So I'm just I'm just trying to do my part for this country, in my opinion. It's, <laughs> it's how I pay my Overwatch it? taxes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, you know what? We were we were really happy to to uh, hear. We didn't know that there was going to be another Canadian team until right at the very end, mm-hmm. and uh, and we were ecstatic to find out. I think it's better for the game. It's better for the country to have a bit of a rivalry here. Oh, no doubt. And I, I'm a Vancouver born and bred uh, uh, sports fan. Like I come from the traditional sports world. So I hate everything to do with the Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto FC. When Vancouver still had an NBA franchise, the Raptors were dead to me. Now the entire league's dead <laughs> to me. Um, but I, I really, as much as I'm, I am our pro Toronto defiant uh, supporter on the podcast, I would love but, but, but let me just interject there, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm born and bred in Toronto and, and, oh. and, you know, I've heard of Vancouver, but really don't ever think of your sports teams. So oh. <laughs> there you go. Right. And the weirdest part for me is I was born in, in a suburb outside Toronto. So right. I was born in Waterloo. So it's, it's really strange how things work. Right. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding though. I, I love Vancouver. It's not, uh, it's not Toronto, but you know what, if you can't be here, it's not, it's not a bad place to be. That's I was true. born in the USSR, and I have nothing to contribute to this <laughs> conversation right now. <laughs> you know what? I had to before, uh, and I, I don't want to preempt here, but before the game, uh, the, the Defiant played the the Titans uh, in, in this main melee, I, I, I kind of reached out to our players, and I said, okay, so most of you guys that are not from Canada don't understand why this is important, okay? <laughs> I want you to understand this is the other Canadian team. We have to beat them. It's important to us and our identity as Canadians in Toronto. And so uh, and so I think they well, they kind of rose to the we won. How about that? <laughs> yeah. No, you did. You totally did. And we'll get into the the Battle of Canada, <clears throat> excuse me, in a in a little bit here. But I thought it would be a good opportunity as well with you on the, the podcast uh, to introduce yourself to uh, to our listeners. And for the most part, I mean, we're very Vancouver Titans focused. We talk a little bit about the Overwatch scene. So it's quite possible that uh, others who've come along for the ride, whether they followed, you know, the former runaway roster into the world of the Vancouver Titans or have, you know, developed into Vancouver Titans uh, fans, they might not know much about the rest of the league. So why don't I throw it over to you on just to give us some uh, introduction to your background? Sure. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little older than maybe the typical fan out there. And so I kind of grew up around video games in the 80s when we used to go to arcades mm-hmm. um, and, and really kind of have been, you know, into the scene, usually as a slightly older than the median age person, really going back even into the 90s. Right. Um, you know, kind of more recently with respect to the Overwatch League. Um, I, I first really got exposed to, uh, to esports when, you know, through Halo, Halo, uh, sure. uh, became a big thing. I was a big Halo fan. Uh, they used to broadcast that on, on, you know, on the Xbox and, and it was amazing. It was very exciting to watch. And, uh, so I was aware of the scene. Uh, my background is in venture capital and, you know, kind of boring stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, when, when the Overwatch League was starting up, I was aware of what was happening. I've got two sons and a daughter, you know, uh, 16 to say 21. Uh, my, my sons in particular played Overwatch all the time and still do. 
And, you know, this whole city-based league thing uh, seemed like an interesting idea. The, the, you know, the buy-in price seemed outrageous to me. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, um, when, uh, when the league started, opening weekend, I think early 2018, I, uh, I had just come back from a business trip that didn't go very well. So I was a little down thinking, okay, so that, that venture isn't going to work. Um, i got to look for something else. And my, uh, my sons basically called me. They were watching it on Twitch on the other TV. And they said, Dad, Dad, you got to come over here and watch this. And then I watched the first game. I think it was the MYXL playing somebody. I can't remember who, but I'm pretty sure it was New York uh, in the first game. And it was, it was outstanding. Like I saw this and I thought like the viewership was great. The game was great. Uh, it was professional. And I thought, this is going to be a big thing. This is going to happen. And, and so I went, I went to work, uh, you know, the, the Monday and my business partner, Sheldon Pollock, who's also a co-founder of, of Overactive Media was there and, and he had been on this failed business trip with me. And I came back and I said, Sheldon, I'm going to call Activision and we're going to try to get ourselves a, an Overwatch League franchise. He had no idea what I was talking about. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I set up the call. We talked to Pete Lastelica and the people over at Activision Blizzard. We were a little bit early. They weren't looking for expansion franchises at the time. Uh, but we stayed involved, uh, worked hard. We partnered with the Kimmel family, uh, which is, uh, you know, kind of a prominent Toronto family. They also own a, a piece of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And uh, we put our bid in together. And in August of 2018, after a very long and strenuous, incredibly complicated and difficult vetting process, uh, we ended up being one of two Canadian teams. So, <laughs> uh, so that's, that's my kind of origin story in Overwatch. Cool. Yeah, you know, one of the questions I'd actually uh, noted here was, you know, it, it occurred to me that the background that you had come from uh, was not one that was in, you know, at all really involved with esports. Not to suggest I, I would know everything, um, but it's it's something that I find interesting is you look at a lot of the the franchises, and I would say there's a good split between those that came from sort of the esports world in some way, shape, or form, and then those that did not. And um, I mean, here in Vancouver, for instance, I remember there was a conversation um, that one of the the local media outlets had with the uh, uh, Francesco Aquilini. Uh, who's, you know, uh, essentially the the person for those that follow the podcast that's uh, the head of the Aquilini Investment Group that owns the Vancouver Titans. Uh, he had said how uh, he was talking to, I think it was his nephew, uh, who had sort of put him onto the the idea of this this league and this 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 opportunity. And then, I mean, you had sort of talked about it earlier where, wow, there's going to be a team in Vancouver. I'm a diehard Vancouver sports fan, and I was blown away that there was an Overwatch League franchise. I mean, the one video game that I continue to return to is Overwatch. And I think, like you, I mean, I'm not the, I'm not, I always define myself, I'm not part of the target demographic, <laughs> but that's one of the things that this particular video game allows is it's just, right. it, there's such a broad spectrum. People who grew up with games in the 80s and 90s, and then those who are sort of, you know, more modern, like the fact you can fire it up on your, your Nintendo Switch. The um, sort of, you know, transition in the esports scene, though, I mean, like Overactive Media, it wasn't just the Toronto Defiant. I mean, you now have a, a Call of Duty uh, franchise, you have League franchise, like that's, you've really gone into to esports beyond uh, Overwatch. And it was that sort of dipped your toe in the water, found the temperature to be to your liking, or is it just more the opportunity is there and let's let's actually get into the, the pool? Well, you know, we... Um... We got into this after we got to Toronto Defiant. Uh, we realized a couple of things. First of all, we didn't know enough about esports, and 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 you know, 
my background is also mergers and like all the business kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And we we were aware at the time that you know Call of Duty was going to be a thing as a league. We weren't sure exactly uh, when, uh, but we you know we had been told that you know if that was going to happen, we would have like kind of first rights uh, for Toronto for that as well. So so our view at the time was we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do the Defiant, uh, and then we're gonna do uh, Call of Duty, and that was it. We um, we subsequently um, we had partnered with uh, with an esports uh, organization called Splice, similar to I guess the Aquilinis and Luminosity. Mm -hmm. and they uh, they were managing our teams, and we had decided at about uh, you know kind of late 2018 that we were going to make esports our core business. It was going to be our business, and in order to run the business, we needed to own the organization that ran the teams. And so we, we uh, uh, partnered with Splice to bid for a League of Legends franchise um, as part of it. Uh, we were successful in that, and then we acquired Splice as well. And then we brought everything in-house in terms of uh, operating uh, the business. And, you know, within, uh, you know, a, a business plan that basically just had the Defiant, you know, with a very short order all of a sudden with three franchises, all starting in 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, and a skeleton staff, we were able to um, very fortunately uh, recruit uh, Chris Overholt uh, as our CEO. Chris was the former um, commissioner of the Canadian Olympic Committee um, and, and the CEO. Uh, he actually, interestingly enough, just these kind of coincidences, he had interviewed for the job that Nate Nanzer got as commissioner oh, of wow. the Dutch League. Hmm. And so when we, uh, we didn't know that. Um, and when we had reached out to him and, and started basically sending some some probes, uh, he was all he, he knew all about it. I mean, he had he had talked to it. He went down. Uh, he didn't get the job, which is lucky for us because then he took our job. And and mm -hmm. then we began to basically build the organization. And our our plan, you know, again, esports is our full time job. It's it's all we do. We've got about 30, 40 people, uh, professional management people in the organization, all dedicated to esports. Uh, we've got sports psychologists, we've got apartments, we've got the, the entire kind of repertoire uh, of equipment, of, of really facilities and people and marketing and partnerships and so forth uh, over a very short period of time. And what, you know, what the way that we look at it is, is, you know, kind of as this is the future of sports, um, not just, you know, meat sports, as we joke around, uh, of, of sports. And, and we see this as basically the next, uh, you know, the kind of the emerging uh, business uh, after Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, for example, uh, or uh, Madison Square Garden. We want to build those types of organizations, multi-franchise, city-based organizations in esports, and 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 that includes the facility, which we're, you know, we 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 talked right at the very beginning uh, as we got this very aspirationally. That we want to build a dedicated esports stadium in Toronto just for esports. Um, Chris Overholt was uh, with the Raptors when they launched in uh, in Toronto. He was with the organization there, and so um, you know, so we know what it's like to to start a franchise. It's been an, an incredible amount of work, um, and you know, we haven't done everything everything perfectly. But uh, you know what? I'm I'm let's say of the older demographic. And I get to go uh, to work all day with a bunch of passionate young people <laughs> and talk about video games. I mean, it's it's kind of like a dream come true 30 years later for me. 
So just to piggyback off what you said earlier, like I, I'm actually really glad you said it because then I didn't have to. But but we went from you know looking at the the proposed numbers of what an Overwatch team franchise cost, and like you like you said yourself, it, it looked outrageous. So how did you know you coming from a financial background go from looking at it going whoa this is the ticket price to not only purchasing a team for yourselves and your your partners, but doubling down with COD and now you know you're moving on to a league like. How does how does it work for for the layman? Like, how sure. does it make sense? Okay, so so we're also in CS:GO as an aside. So we mm-hmm. uh, Flashpoint is a CS:GO league that we started up with uh, Cloud9 and Immortals. Really, most of the organizations in Flashpoint are also uh, Overwatch organizations. We met them mm-hmm. through Overwatch and Call of Duty, so we've been able to make some great relationships there. But the the key to the model for us is is basically choosing those publishers that have the best business models and then getting as close to them as possible. So broadly speaking in, in esports, nearly, I'm, I'm going to be kind of, I'm going to exaggerate it a little bit for effect, but everybody's losing money except mm-hmm. for the publishers and maybe the tournament organizers, right? Maybe, but maybe not. It's hard to know because most of them don't show their numbers. Right. And mm-hmm. so everybody else is basically still in the very early stages where we're building. Now, for us, what we want to do is we want to be as close as possible to the guys that are making all the dough, okay? And those are the publishers. And the, the, the buy-in or the pay-in franchise price gives us not only, um, not only basically access to a revenue share that we basically can collect through them, right? Uh, which is a, a great source of revenue that is growing and we're very happy with that. But it also gives us access and it gives us a... Uh, a, a moat, a competitive moat. So as a new organization, like how do I go out and compete with FaZe Clan or Cloud9 or Fnatic or some of these guys with some big brands out there? It's very hard for me to do that as a, as a one or two year old organization when you know these guys have been around for 10 years. But what franchising did is it, it made things kind of equal for all of us, right? Our names in, in the Activision Blizzard universe are all new, right? So I don't, I'm not going to be at a disadvantage to Cloud9, who is now the right. London Spitfire, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and secondly, I have a protected area, right, that other people can't compete with me, and that I can basically have access to the sponsors and not have to compete with 5,000 other esports teams out there, right? I only have to compete with the guys in Overwatch, for example, if I'm if I'm uh, talking about the Defiant, and then I really don't have to compete with them because. I will respect Vancouver's territorial rights and not come in there and pick up Circle K and sell you Toronto Defiant gear in, in your market, and they won't do the same uh, in mine, right? And that allows us to build a long-term business model, right? And so the money is, is, is a big chunk of dough, right? There's no question about that. But um, for us, it's a, it's a long-term investment in the franchise model. And, and what Chris likes to say is that, you know, back uh, not too long ago, you know, the average franchise in the NBA was like 30 to 40 million bucks, kind of where it is for the Overwatch League, right? Now you mm-hmm. can't buy for less than 2 billion, right? And so yeah. the franchise itself is an asset, right? And it is an asset that will grow in value that gives us not only just a, a kind of a, a chain of expenses, it gives us a scarce asset that can also grow, right? And then finally, I can say, you know, we spent the other, you know, we spent uh, as owners, uh, we had our our annual league meetings uh, virtually this year. Uh, We get to meet all the other owners. And I can tell you that the the most senior people at Activision Blizzard, okay, 
And you can guess who they are uh, at Activision and at Blizzard and at Activision Blizzard and the CFOs and all the other people, you know, were there for hours talking about this, okay, planning it out, working with us, okay? So the way that I look at it is how much does access to that, you know, uh, how much is that worth, right? How much is that worth versus, say, access to Psionics or Rocket League or some of these things that aren't franchised? And I can tell you that without that access, Esports is not viable as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, enough of the business talk for now. Uh, not to suggest that it isn't interesting. I myself am, but I'm going to gather that most of the people that are tuning into the podcast want to hear a little bit more about uh, the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans. So first and foremost, congratulations on winning what uh, I'm going I'm to give Sam credit here. He's not the only one who came up with the Maple Syrup Cup. I, I, I honestly think the Battle of Canada needs a, a different name for whatever the trophy will be but maple syrup cup seems to you know resonate well worldwide poutine royale well <laughs> i so Adam, i don't know if you're aware of this there are vancouver titan players that do not know what poutine is and that concerns me yeah that would be a concern i think i think our toronto defiant guys that didn't know what poutine was as soon as they came here they discovered it and now pretty well chow down on it all the time yeah, and it should be like, you know, requ required eating. There's required reading. <laughs> and Part of media eating. training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Jake. Jake is our uh, is our kind of fitness trainer. I'm not sure he's going to agree with you on that. So, <laughs> But, um, you know, this was the, the second, essentially, Battle of Canada. The first that we saw was, was last year. And Vancouver Titans last year were much different than the Vancouver Titans that we see, obviously, now. I'm not going to say this year because we've seen a – a transition of sorts is, I guess, the easiest way to put it. But going into this Battle of Canada, it did occur to me that you now had two more evenly matched teams. Uh, I will concede the Vancouver Titans were by far the underdog going into this fight. So I was quite happy to not only see the Titans win one map, but actually win two and potentially have that chance... <laughs> To win three, but credit to the Defiant, they uh, they buckled down and Kareev decided to, uh, you know, he had had enough and gave you know, us made trouble magic out last year. Kareev, well, man. yeah, no doubt. But you know, looking at the the Overwatch scene in Canada, you've got the Vancouver Titans on one hand, you got the Toronto Defiant on the other, and as it stands right now within the league, I think competitive on any given sort of day, I'd give the edge to the Defiant. But looking at the standings a little bit lower than probably where, where either of our, you know, supporters would want. So I'm a little bit curious, like when we look at that, and this is sort of before we dive into the, the teams themselves, like what might need to happen to help grow, you know, that Overwatch scene here in Canada to get more of the, uh, the Surefours, the Agilities, uh, um, you know, Mangachus than, than we have sort of today. Well, I think, I think, you know, obviously a grassroots effort needs to be uh, built. We, um, we uh, set up an academy team earlier. We actually uh, suspended its operation for the next little while over the COVID um, mm -hmm. period until we see what happens. But we, you know, we built it up uh, in Montreal as the Montreal Rebellion. And, and we've been actively looking uh, for Canadian uh, talent. Uh, as you can see, we brought in quite a, you know, a few Canadians in. And, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to say because this is professional sports and, and, and you can take the position that, you know, it's the best players and it doesn't matter where they're from. And that's what the Leafs do and the Raptors do and the Canucks do and everybody else. Or you can say, 
look, this is a little bit different. This is a new thing. Maybe it doesn't have to be that way, right? And again, I don't know what the right answer is. I, I think we'll find mm -hmm. out, but I do know that um, <clears throat> in Toronto, we're going to, uh, we've made a couple of decisions. One is that English is going to be the language of the team, uh, period, which isn't to say that we won't have people that, that are learning English, but they will have to speak English on the team, okay? And secondly, uh, we are going to uh, favor uh, Canadian uh, talent where it makes sense, okay? Within the realm of, of competitiveness. And again, it has to start with the pro teams to basically start building it. I mean, this is what, what the young kids really kind of strive for. And I think and I think it will happen over time if we engage the community. I mean, I, I there's so many young people that come out to our games and our watch parties and you just kind of watch those uh, kids there. And I, and I think if we give them a pass, um, I think it'll happen. Cool. The, um, the sort of you know reason I asked that question as well is that we are now sort of seeing this evolution of the Vancouver Titans where we have a, you know, someone like Shredlock who was a young kid, but he's, he's local and he's, he's here in, he's in here in BC. And, you know, if there's one thing that I have known as a Vancouver sports fan, esports, meet sports, whatever sports, there is always, it's always nice to see a, a local kid done well. Um, I mean, I remember, you know, sort of in my era of Vancouver Canucks, uh, uh, players, uh, when Willie Mitchell found his way out of Minnesota to the Vancouver Canucks, this is a, a kid from Vancouver Island, um, it spoke quite highly as to, to what the franchise was doing. And, and I can't tell you the number of times, you know, fans would say, oh, there there needs to be a way uh, to get Paul Correa in a Canucks jersey. They've got his brother, Steve. But the point is, it's about, you know, being able to, to show that the the local players get that opportunity. It's it's a, it's much easier to relate to someone who lives down the street than someone who you know lives on the opposite side of the country, opposite side of the continent, side of the world. I also I'm a firm believer though that it is a balance. Um, I, I'll use NHL you know as an example. You know, there's a reason why um, the majority of players remain Canadian in that league. It's because Canadian hockey players are considered the best. If I take the jump over to the world of Overwatch. Korea has by far, I think, some of the you know highest percentage of you know, talented players. So there will always be that give and take. And so I view it as well. How does you know us as as a country elevate opportunity to, as you pointed out, use that grassroots scenes to to develop? It's it's a lot easier to you know find someone nearby, but that opportunity needs to be there to have them you know, excel at that level. I don't expect to ever get a phone call from the Vancouver Titans or Toronto Defiant. As much as I'm a, a phenomenal Reinhardt, I'm no super. <laughs> <laughs> the main reason that Life Force has us on is just to, to riff on him when he makes mistakes. Shredlock's from Toronto. Rolf is from Kelowna. Uh, you know, potatoes, potatoes. Oh, sorry. I mixed you yeah. Hey, we're all Canadian. Yeah. But the the real example he really wanted to use was uh, Steve Nash being from Victoria. And... Uh, yeah, playing Flowery from Vegas. Toronto. I think you need both in terms of local talent, but also people who embrace the city, embrace you know their you know who they represent. I think Kyle Lowry is an ex excellent example of that. But Chris isn't allowed to talk about basketball anymore, so that's why he couldn't say it. <laughs> well, okay, look. So, so I think if, if you look at the game uh, tonight that just finished, uh, and, and we're back in time here because it's going to go on here on Tuesday. But if you look at the game. Uh, uh, 11 of the 12 people they showed at the end uh, between the shock and uh, Florida were Korean, right? So mm -hmm. I mean, clearly they have uh, some very strong talent over there. And clearly if you are not going to have a good mix of Korean players, 
you may very well run the risk of not being uh, competitive. That's just the, the, the you know be the same thing in, in hockey if you don't have any Canadians as well. So so that is uh, that is something uh, that you know you have to measure. Um, obviously, Kareev on our team and Roki uh, are both Korean. We're, we're not. You know, again, our, our view is that we're not uh, against having, you know, Koreans or Chinese or anybody from any uh, part of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, the, the the language of the team, you know, we want it to be English. OK, because we are in, in, a, in a Canadian city. We're in Toronto. We've got fans that are going to basically be there. And it, you know, uh, Kareev, you know, has been working in Roki on their on their English training. They They want to learn English. They want to be better at English. And, and for them as players, if they can speak um, well in, in many official languages or many different languages, it makes them more adaptable in terms of their career uh, as well, right? So, uh, so when we begin with that, um, you, you know, you get, uh, you get some kind of choice out there. But, you know, ultimately for us, um, Canadians are important to have on the team. And what we did is we went out and we paid a whole heck of money to bring them here, right? Uh, and sign them from other teams. And, and um, you know, that is not the best way to do it. You want to kind of develop them and, and bring them in. Um, but, uh, look, we built this team, and, I, and I'll be kind of straight up. We built this team for a live audience in front of a live stage. Uh, the personalities mm-hmm. that we brought together uh, were for a different kind of a game. It wasn't for Hero Pool. Uh, it wasn't for the kind of game that the way that it evolved. Uh, it wasn't for playing out of your apartment. And, um, and and a lot of the teams that are struggling, I would say, uh, or, or underperforming, including us, uh, I would say, uh, you know, just we built a different kind of a team than the game is right now. And, sure. and you know, that's that's kind of that's where we are. The, um, you know, as a Vancouver Titans fan, um, and I'm starting to ask you this, like it. it what might you foresee? And I, I understand you're sort of on the other side, and might you won't obviously have the the same level of insight as as those out here. But what might it be that we should be, you know, looking forward to with our sort of new roster uh, for the rest of sort of this season, but then maybe into the next season? And I, I also can see, you know, as you brought up there, you know, the pandemic has thrown yeah. everything into the air. Like there is. There's even uncertainty as to what sort of I would imagine next year looks like, let alone next week. I mean, it, it is that type of timeline that we're working in. But you know, what can you maybe provide us as as something to look forward to, sort of as the future you know comes along? Well, I you know I can say I don't know much about what has uh, happened in terms of the rosters and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, I quite honestly do not know, and I'm happy that I don't know, so that I can't trip up on anything. Right? So sure. If I do trip up on anything, I don't know, so I'm making it up. Um, on uh, kind of more broadly, though, I would say, you know, things are things are never as bad as as they seem. Like you don't really know what is happening in the background. Like it, it is it is again without having any knowledge, I can say, you know, saying it's the fault of one or the other, or, or you know, that kind of thing in terms of of, of the roster may not be fully accurate, right? I mean, there's just other things that are going on. There's pandemics. There's just all sorts of stuff. And, and and you know, stuff happens, as it were, right? And, you know, as we can see with Florida here kind of making it to this main melee final, I mean, after mm-hmm. struggling for many, many years, and I was, I was kidding with Ben, uh, who's, who's the uh, CEO of Florida, and I was saying, like, I can't believe that you guys are good. Like, I have to concede it's a good team, right? <laughs> I'm not used to saying that about Florida in, in Call of Duty either. Uh, so, um, 
so you know it, it might take some time um but sure. it, it'll it'll kind of come around and it seems to me like uh you know they have to make some tough decisions uh in a time where it is not opportune to make these kinds of decisions i mean you know we are in in the pandemic and yeah. um look the team has improved i mean there's no question i mean i don't think we mm -hmm. played great against the titans but i think you guys played uh, better as well and so it could be that we did play well and you guys are just improving and I, I i would prefer i would prefer to believe that narrative i think than than the fact that we just played bad and you know you guys suck <laughs> right. i think it's at this time that we need to officially apologize for the light force curse right okay there, so there, there's two Toronto-related curses here. Okay. Um, if at any point to the Toronto Defiant go to map five and find a way to lose, there's a guarantee that at some point in time, Sam has actually said that that will happen. Okay. And then the Light Force's curse is anytime I've gone and said, I'm going to pick the Toronto Defiant to win here. And I honestly look at that as being a win. Like, I'm not trying to throw a curse on anyone. Yeah. This, uh, this, I think that's part of it is he's actually vexing without trying to vex. I, you know what? I am, uh, I'm quite legitimately, you know, always uh, of mixed mind when Vancouver is doing well, right? On the, on the one hand, like when you guys were in the world championship there last year and I was, I was there and I was watching, like, you know, half of me is thinking, I really want the Canadian team to win. Uh, the other mm -hmm. half is, is thinking I don't want Vancouver to win. I don't want Vancouver to win, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, but but having said that, I would much rather apply a curse on you guys when you guys are doing really really well than to kick somebody when they're down, right? And I mm -hmm. I think both orgs are a little down now. I think again, I, I'm going to say much of the blame is on circumstances that are outside of our control, and yeah, you know, the um. You know, I, I just actually want to ask a question about the circumstances. I know the, the plan was with the season is to have the homestands. I and mean, we were looking forward to actually being, uh, watching a Vancouver Titans homestand, which I want to say would have been like this weekend. Last if, weekend. It was last weekend. Okay. I mean, everything's a blur right now. The question that I have for you, because you probably have at least some insight as to the, how the scheduling works. The Battle of Canada, had it happened this season, would have been between Toronto and Vancouver in London. Yeah. Was that because the you know colonies were going home? Like, I, I, I would have <laughs> thought that Toronto or Vancouver would yeah. have had the matchup in one of the two cities. Uh, Americans. No. <laughs> uh, you know, we 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 were both in an American league, right? And yeah. um and and they. Look, I mean, it's just a fact in, in professional sports in general, right? I mean, I, I won't say that we're afterthoughts. We're not, but we're afterthoughts as Canadians, right? We're mm. an adjunct of the U.S. Uh, and we, we, I think both uh, organizations have to remind the league, uh, you know, occasionally that, hey, this is a Canadian rivalry. We've got two teams here. And it's kind of funny because if there was two teams in the U.K. or if there was two teams in even Korea, right, or in Paris, or in France, you know, I think they would recognize it more because to them that is international, right? But, you know, they, they like, we are, like, we're just another two cities that they kind of think are American and they don't think of it as being international. And I, I honestly think that's it. I, I don't disparage them for doing it. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, the same thing with getting our merchandise out to our fans. Like, oh. you know, I mean, it's just, it's crazy, right? And, yeah. um, I mean, I don't necessarily need to open up that, but I mean, if there was anything <laughs> we could do, Please be assured that between us and probably you guys, I'm going to say, 
And we are on the phone with them saying, you need to fix this, okay? We can't be basically buying a jersey for 100 bucks and paying another 100 bucks in shipping and duty to bring it up here, okay? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, the merch part, we... I will be uh, one to admit to doing the comparison to like the Vancouver Canucks, for instance, yeah. I can go to the Canucks team store, buy a Vancouver Canucks Jersey for less money, like an authentic Jersey for less money than it would be to get a Titans Jersey shipped up. And that differentiator, whatever it might be, has to do with that, you know, essentially landing fee exchange and, Okay, so so to put the blame where it should be, okay, that's a Canadian tax, okay? So duty, see it there. It's not like Americans, okay? It's Canada puts that tax on Canadians and Canadians have to pay it. So if you want to blame it on anybody, you can blame it on on our government, the federal government. Mm -hmm. But you know, there is a way around it, which is for for um for 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 the stuff to basically uh be made here, right? Or to be shipped here in an earlier part of the process, right? And mm-hmm. that gets around the duty. And I think, I think they, I, I think quite honestly, they can't justify um, the cost of doing that. And what I tell them is, yeah, no kidding. You're not selling anything up here because who in the right mind would buy it? Like yeah. you're basically saying we don't sell enough because it's too expensive to sell it, you know? And then that's why you're not making it less expensive. So. Yeah. And I, I only bring that up just because again, it, as a Canadian, as all of us do, I mean, we, we, Target Canada is probably the greatest retail example of how things might not go the way that are planned once you sort of cross the border. But it's about accessibility. I can't imagine there's many kids out there that have that much money unless their parents are going to go and pony up the cash to buy a Titans jersey. Then the brand doesn't get into the market. And again, I, I... it is what it is. It's just unfortunate. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it is, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I haven't done the price comparison with Raptors and Leafs uh, jerseys here in, in, in mm-hmm. Toronto, like X the duty and the shipping. I think shipping might be free right now for anybody that's interested in ordering stuff. But I think, um, you know, it is a third party partnership that the league does. Yeah. I think it's done through the same uh, company that basically does the Leafs and the Raptors. And so, you know, it is, it is what it is. I, I think, you know, if I had it my way, I would just let, um, you know, that kind of thing be the responsibility of the actual team itself. And we could fulfill it and, and, and basically get it done in our own markets, I think, more efficiently and, and for less cost. And, and different teams might take different approaches, right, where yeah. somebody might want to go lower cost, somebody might want to go higher cost. But, I, I you know, again, we've got a deal. Uh, we've got a great uh, partner in that. And, you know, when that deal is up, we'll, we'll have to think about what we're going to do next. Sure. Sorry. And I, I mean, I'm not trying to kick the, the merch wagon around the, the block here. We do, we do that enough. I know our community does, and it's just the end of the day. It is what it I, is. You know, skins. Do you know what the best selling skin was last year? The best selling skin. Yeah. I'm going to give Sparks you a one. Like for, yeah. yeah. No, Spark was number one. You're right. So okay. uh, Alex, you know, bonus points to you. What was <laughs> number two? Huh? I don't know. I feel like I, I feel like well. the answer is should be Toronto, but really? Toronto. oh wow, Toronto is that the, is that the like I have to ask is that the color combination that that would be driving that or is that like like is there a measurable way to see where the where that purchase is coming from? Well, without asking all of the people about the skins, I think it's hard to know. But I, I imagine yeah. I think it it was probably the it was probably a combination of I guess the team, the branding, the logo, and yeah. Maybe it resonated with people, but uh, yeah, and, and that's we make that argument. I think Vancouver was uh, was also uh, you know up there. 
somewhere in the top five or six as well. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, so our, our, I mean, the reason I bring that up is the merch issue that, you know, our, our jerseys, respectively, both uh, organizations, jersey sales are very low. And, and, you know, that's kind of what we say. I mean, if you take a look at the skins, which are basically equal for everybody, you can see that the sales are yeah, very high and the jerseys are really low. So can you please fix it? Yeah. yeah. No. Agreed. Well, enough, enough of that about merch. Let's actually talk a little bit about uh, the, the Canadian and Canadian Overwatch So I, I'm, I, because I have all this power, I have anointed you Canadian Overwatch League Commissioner. All right. So, you know, I, I'm not going to go and, and kick uh, Pete completely out of his his role, but, I, you know, you're with us and we're on the side of the border. You know, what is it that you do with that power to try to move not the league ahead? I, I think it's very important the league as a whole moves forward. But, you know, more here for us in, in Canada, for Vancouver and, and Toronto fans. Hmm. Like I think one of the things you might do here, and I'm just going to take the is somehow make our, our merchandise a little more accessible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that. I'm thinking kind of more broader in terms of look. I, yeah. I think I think first, uh, you know, forget about being commissioner of Canada. I would say you know things that I would uh, like to see happen over some period of time. You know, I think I think we we should be looking to grow the player base for uh, mm-hmm. for Overwatch, um, and I think there's different ways to do that. Um, Overwatch 2 is, is, is obviously coming out, and that's going to be um, a big catalyst for that. Um, you know, how we basically transition from where we are to where we're going to be. Um, you know, clearly free-to-play is, you know, Valorant. We see some of these other games that are, that are doing uh, that kind of a strategy. I think there is uh, more that can be done, um, you know, to basically get the, the, the player base uh, higher, right? And I think... Um, the good news, though, when I when I kind of think that is, you know, it hasn't been done yet, right? And so something can still be done. And I know uh, I don't know any of you know kind of specific plans, but I do know that people, you know, very high up at Activision Blizzard are watching. It's not like they're not oblivious to what's happening to other games and other kinds of things and and so forth. So so I think you know a, a good strategy you know, kind of transitioning from Overwatch to Overwatch 2 to basically build the game uh, base up would be the single most important thing you can do for the game in any country, in every country kind of combined. In terms of Canada, um, you know, I think we can do more to basically create, um, you know, more uh, regional leagues. Like there, there's not... Um, there's not enough Canadian, I think, organizations, and there's not enough kind of regional leagues. But if you if you kind of think about, you know, Tim Hortons, you know, kind of uh, hockey and, you know, those types of things. And, you know, that is something that is happening every single day in those same Tim Horton family homes. OK, but, you know, the nine year old or the 10 year old or the 11 year old, instead of going to the rink, is going to his computer and he's playing competitive Overwatch, and he's got this headset on, and he's communicating mm-hmm. with people, and he's learning a lot about you know teamwork and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and the parents though, okay, are screaming at him, saying, "Get off your computer!" and doing you know, and and not yeah. understanding that what that young child is doing is playing a competitive game, okay. And it is no different than being on a basketball court, and when you're yelling at that kid and trying to get him out, you know, from the middle of a game. Okay, that is very harmful to both his responsibility and the lessons that you're trying to teach him. And I think we, you know, need to basically work with closer with the families 
to have them understand what their kids are doing when they're in front of their computer, right? And I think the best way to do that is these professional organizations that we've got here. Bring the parents to the game, show them that there are adults that are playing it and, and also running it, okay? And then have them understand that what their child is doing is not a complete and utter waste of time. It could be, but it doesn't have to be. Parents in Korea have known that all along for years now. That probably makes that difference so apparent right now. Yeah, well, and you see how good they are, right? But I mean, you know, Alex, that's I mean, part of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, would you, I mean, was the description that I gave of the parents kind of accurate of your parents when you were kind of younger? Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. And, and I think. Um, I still blame them for being hard stuck in plat. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the reason. Um, I, I think that's what we can do. And I, and I think the other thing is. Um, you know, if we can develop a, a decent pass to pro, and I, and I think it will develop, we're very, very early on in esports right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the kids that we have in professional esports uh, are not are not like the kids we have in professional uh, meat sports, okay? If you are going to play professional hockey, uh, you know, at 15 or 16, you are used to waking up, getting into your suit and going to the arena you know, going into the, the dressing room, having the coach and the scrims and the discipline that you come there and then and then playing the game, wearing your suit and going home. OK, there is a discipline to it. NCAA is the same way in terms of the coaching. You know, what we have here is a transition from, you know, literally being in your parents' basement to being flat, to being on a contenders team, to being a pro that has had very little access to professional coaching uh, and team sports. And and that we need to fix that. Through, through coaching, through the organizations that are developing. That is, if we don't fix that, uh, esports cannot grow. Right. Okay. So I guess on, on that note, um, and I'll, I'll sort of refer to a local business here, the Gaming Stadium, which uh, is actually building out in, in the city that I live in out here. Uh, they're creating leagues. They actually have programs that were designed to be after school. And unfortunately, the world as it is right now, those got sort of thrown uh, askew. But the idea was to develop not only opportunities for for kids to hone their craft. I mean, it would be akin to going to a, a hockey camp. Uh, but there was also opportunities for uh, those who knew that maybe you know, gameplay wasn't it. So someone like me who apparently has a decent voice, um, I could actually grow as part of that experience through casting opportunities. Uh, there was the production side. Like, I think that's one of the things that I look at esports as. It's not just, as people always say, uh, someone holding a controller in their hands, you know, playing a video game. It is a full enterprise experience from top through bottom. And there are so many opportunities that exist. And, and I think, you know, with what I sort of saw happening here with the game stand, I just use them specifically as the example, it almost addresses some of what you're saying. So maybe, you know, taking that and scaling it up so that it's more consistent nationally. Is that sort of what I'm hearing? Yeah. And I think, I think time is going to be needed as well. I mean, um, you know, Alex and Sam, you guys look a little younger than myself and Chris say, for example, and you know, we need for you guys to get a little older and have kids of your own and then have grown up in an era where this stuff was more normal than it was for probably myself and Chris. Right. And I think what, what, when we look at the demographics and we look at the engagement in video games and esports relative to professional sports of everything else, and when we look at the viewership and so forth, like it is clear the, the Gen Zs and, and the younger people out there 
are massively overweighted in video games and esports. And every other professional sport out there is declining in viewership in, in that kind of demographic. And so what's going to happen is, you know, as those kids get older and grow up and have kids of their own, uh, they're going to carry the love and the passion for video games and esports and gaming with them, right? Just like we did with, with the traditional sports. And, and that demographic bump is going to happen all the way through from now on. Like there's no stopping that. And what we just have to be careful of is how ahead of the curve are we, right? Because if we're too ahead of the curve, then we're just going to be investing time and money doing things that people might not show up in enough uh, in enough numbers to basically uh, take advantage of it. And I'm not sure what the answer is. I kind of think we're a little early, but I'm not mm -hmm. sure how long it's going to take. Cool. So just being cognizant of time, I've got a few additional questions uh, that I wanted to ask you. And the first one, uh, what was the first video game that you can remember playing where you're like, wow, this is, this is my game? Mm, okay, so I am going to say it was either it was either Ultima 3 or Ultima 4, right, back okay. in that kind of era, or it would have been Galaga, right, in, mm -hmm. uh, in the arcade. Uh, that was my first eSport, right? So back when it was an arcade mm -hmm. here in Toronto, well, just like in, in Vancouver, you guys have the PNE. We've got the CNE over here. Yeah. And back in the Galaga days, in the arcade days, uh, they had a big competition there with a Ga uh, Galaga tournament, right? And so all the kids had to come there and register, and then you basically play for the high score. And uh, uh, I came in fourth. My brother came in first, and we got a big trophy. So <laughs> well, that was kind of my first uh, eSport. But in terms of more modern times, um, I, you know, I kind of – you know, you kind of uh, go to university, you do stuff, and then I kind of went out of gaming a little bit. Back really when the PlayStation, the first uh, PlayStation kind of came out, and then uh, a very uh, a, a very prominent uh, investment banker basically said to me, you got to go out and get yourself a Sony PlayStation. That's the future of entertainment. And I thought, really? Okay, so I went out and got one. And uh, the games were all crap, right? I was kind of playing them, and I thought, okay, whatever. This is not, this is not that great. But the first game that really kind of awoke video gaming back up for me was Metal Gear Solid, right? When that game came out. My man. <laughs> right. And I came to that and I was playing it and I thought, like, holy crap, this is like, this is the future of entertainment. And it was from that point uh, forward that I became a big fan of, of uh, a video. Like, there was nothing that I'd experienced like that before in terms of the storytelling and the skill and the growth and all that kind of stuff of that game. It was it was a uh, it was a great experience. Yeah, Kojima. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Although I didn't like the Metal Gear Five, Solid Five. That was, nah, it's <laughs> an incomplete game. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Overwatch, you get to pick one hero. Which one is it? Uh, I, I I really hate her in the current meta, but my hero would be me. <laughs> so, uh, May is just so overpowered right now. It's like uh, you know, um, it, I, I'm kind of with the people that say we should maybe just perma ban May and make it fair for everybody and exciting again. Uh, but uh, but May, I like the character. I like the kind of the story arc in the background, and I think she's got a great power. So I'm going to go with uh, with May. But you know what? The uh, I would have to say the most enjoyable to watch, you know, has got to be like. Widow Tracer, right? I mean, oh gosh, I was watching that Shanghai uh, Soul Dynasty game, and wow. yeah, it was. Uh, it might have been a little too early for you guys. It was uh, kind of nine a.m. here, 
And, uh, and that was just so, like, I thought, why, why don't we do this all of the time, okay? Just, let's just hero lock, you know, Widow, Tracer, and then do whatever you want with the rest, okay? Throwing Genjin sounds like a pretty good That's time. That's what happens in 80% of my competitive games. So, oh, is that right? <laughs> Somebody yeah. comes in, locks the tracer into Widow, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's uh, definitely fun. Oh, the, I mean, we just, I mean, the, the, the thing is, when you, even the game here with uh, the Florida game, like what, like the, the, the shooting is what I think most people watch. And even when people are, like, people my age are watching and saying, I have no idea what's happening, uh, which is the common refrain of people that are, say, older than 30. <laughs> but when uh, when somebody pops on a widow, you know, I mean, you know, you know that something good happened, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, I, I'm a the one person probably. Well, not the one person. There's a lot out here. Uh, for goats, I enjoyed the aggressive version that we saw here in Vancouver. Like, I get the mirror matchup wasn't all that entertaining, but I'm also a Reinhardt, you know, main. So for me, I got to see you know the character I love playing showcase but i will be the first one to admit i love you know the entertaining style we see when suddenly you know it's a widow like 1v1 or you know tracer v tracer um i i prefer to see that level of engagement it's it's to use the hockey example i love exciting hockey and the one thing that i hated about hockey growing up was dead puck era it oh, wasn't fun trap. to watch remember the trap yeah, I mean, yeah, the tr yeah. it, it was horrible to watch. Right. You could you could go to the building and you know I, there was no no energy because everyone there just was like, well, what's there to be excited by? Yeah. That, and so for me, I I do see you know we're start well I, we're starting to see that within Overwatch with you know whether it be Hero Pulse and I know I don't know what the answer is. I wish I knew because I could you know tell uh, you know Jeff that's that's what needs to be done. But yeah, I, I think. Um... So, so on, you know, kind of just to kind of for the benefit of goats, it made the game easier to watch, right? Because it was a little yeah. slower. You could watch it. As soon as one team has like uh, a hero that died, you know that the fight is over. And the other, so yeah. it wasn't exciting, but for you people, it made it easy to watch. And you know, I uh, I really don't like the hero pools, um, I, and I and I say that in part because we didn't design our team for hero pools and it's kind of really right. hurt us, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the problem with hero pools is that you can't really become really good at something. Right. And so we've got, you know, we've got some guys out there that, you know, you want to play like a meta, like you do in league of legends, right. Where the meta lasts like, you know, weeks or, or, or you know, kind of uh, right. a period of time. And then you can practice it. You can master it. You can use the data. You can kind of figure it out and you can see what happened the week before, and then you can adjust it. Right. And when, you know, you come in and you play on the weekend and then you've got scrims on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and you got to try to figure it all out and it's all a rush and then you're back into the game uh, and then you do that over and over and over again. It just, I mean, it really burns out these kids. And yeah. the coaching, as I said, like we had focused a lot on the coaching. Like what does the coach do in that? Like what are you going to be teaching them, right? It's mm -hmm. just basically play, 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 figure out the meta, go out and do it. And there is no long-term uh, planning. And so, again, I, I think... That's something I'm glad that they've switched it up for these uh, for these uh, melees that they're having, and hopefully they're going to have another one in June and another one in July for the rest of the season. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it's got to be a little more strategic than just let's try to make it as crazy as possible uh, so that the fans don't get bored. Right? Yeah, they need to have that balance right between what the community expects to see on the screen and players actually playing well. To be to be honest, though, with with Blizzard. They have improved their uh, patching 
schedules. Yeah, so they're yeah. now adjusting the game much more. So maybe in the future, we won't need to have those zero pools. Yeah. And I think the um, the numbers were up this weekend, I think, thanks to right. the tournament and, and maybe the token drop uh, stuff. So um, look, I uh, the thing that kind of bothers me the most is somebody that is not endemic to esports, uh, but you know that is in esports now is is just you know how manic depressive you know people fans the industry even people inside you know team owners uh, players like everything is either the best ever or it's dead it's useless it's stupid I I'm you know I'm wasting my time and yeah. it it happens all of the time like it's not we've got multiple teams you know we see it happening everywhere and what I can say is that you know Overwatch like we've got nothing to worry about in terms of overwatch, right? Overwatch is a great game. You just, you watch the quality of these games that we had there. You know, it is, it's, it's kind of getting a little long in the tooth. We know there's a new one coming out. There's going to be some stuff that is going to happen. We are very good partners with riot and I'm very optimistic about Valorant and the stuff that they're doing and Fortnite before that and everything else, but there is nothing like overwatch. And, and mm-hmm. I, I'm as optimistic now and probably more optimistic than I've ever been. I love this league and I, I, you know, I think this is going to be around, you know, 10, 20 years and beyond, I think. It's just a big overlap, I think, with social media, the likes of Reddit and Twitter, everything is so knee jerky every time something happens. So it, it drives me nuts, you know, and I, um, uh, but you know, it is, it is the industry. That's what I kind of say. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm showing my age, right? Maybe I kind of get, a little kind of wrapped up in it, but uh, yeah. just chill. That's what I try to tell people, right? I say that to our players, okay? Enough with the drama, okay? Let's just chill. <laughs> Not as bad as you think, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was going to say, I know here on in the Vancouver side of things, I have often been uh, correlated to old man yells at cloud when I try to like <laughs> unflip the tables a little bit, but... Yeah, I hear you. Well, like I said, I got into a fight with a caster during the Call of Duty thing. So, you, know, <laughs> you know that, was, you know, and uh, uh, you know, I mean, I, I sometimes get wrapped up into it. Casters really bug the shit out of me, right? Because, because, and I think you guys probably see it as well in Vancouver, right? Because we're Canadian teams, right? And we're not in the center of the universe in LA or wherever else right. they are, right? And, and they don't really know as much about us. And you're just kind of watching it and they're underestimating you and they seem to know more about the other team. And, you know, it just like, you know, it just drives me crazy. So I've made it my goal in life. that when that happens, I'm going to, I'm going to use my position of authority and kind of publicly tweet out and say, yeah, good call. What happened there? (laughs) I encourage all Canadians to join me. The um the last question I have, and this is actually just more uh, on on the Overwatch League scene, sports scene. I know you you listen to our podcast. Are there any other podcasts that uh, that you think our our listeners might be interested in adding to their their feed? Any others that uh, you actively uh, tune into on a regular basis? Sure. Well, I mean the the you know I I kind of download a whole bunch of them and mm-hmm. listen to the ones that, you know, kind of I've got time to listen to. And, and then if I haven't listened to them in three or four days, I usually just delete them. So the ones that I usually get to are, are you guys. I always uh, look forward to the podcast that you guys have out. Uh, I, you know, the, the kind of equivalent out here is, a, I think, a little less structured. It's CA Overwatch, which is like more of a YouTube uh, yeah. channel. And I, I'm going to be on that channel as well, I think, uh, probably tomorrow or the next day. 
uh, talking about more local things. Love those guys. Um, I want them to do an audio version as well, though, so that I can kind of listen to it on my uh, thing. They've only got the video thing. Uh, High Noon Podcast is another one, um, which I'm not sure. They haven't done an episode in a while, and I know those guys uh, well. We've invited them to our events. Uh, They're from Buffalo, uh, and we've converted them into Toronto Defiant fans. Uh, but I think they've kind of moved on to team fight tactics and uh, uh, Runeterra and they're doing podcasts over there and they haven't done a high noon thing, but, but I think I'll give them a little kind of bit of a jolt and say, Hey, you know, maybe you should kind of come back. But, but those three yours, high noon and CA overwatch would be my go-to. Incidentally, these are ones that we've collaborated with in the past. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that it's right? a good bunch. This well, is not pre-planned. No, no. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know what? Those guys, those guys maybe are closer. Uh, I mean, they're all kind of close to Canada in a, in a way, the high noon guys. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know what? I, I uh, you know, again, I don't know how close you guys are to the organization out there, but I think, you know, if you guys wanted to do, you know, Ready, Set, Pwn, Toronto, the fine edition, I'd be, uh, I'd be all for that as well. <laughs> that kind of stuff is, is, is great for the, for the league and it, it, it needs to be independent of the teams. Like it just, it wouldn't be authentic if I sponsored somebody to do it. Um, and I think, um, yeah, if I was, if you guys were in my market, I would make sure we had our people all over you guys to make sure that you're taken care of because I think you guys do a great service to the organization and to the league and to us as well, right? I mean, to me, growing the base of enthusiasm for Overwatch in Canada, even in Vancouver in your market, is is good for me and i bet you guys probably have a lot of fans from across canada as well well first of all thank you for saying that and uh if we were to ever become you know rsp your premier source for everything to do with canadian overwatch i would imagine sam while he would do it would complain to me are you making me watch toronto defiant matches because he (laughs) he owns that that role as the toronto hater on the podcast well then that's what we're gonna have to do we're gonna have to work with sam maybe what i'll do is i'll send them some toronto defiant kit and then oh. dare him not to wear it. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do that. You send awesome. me your address and I'll do that. Awesome. <laughs> well, this is this has been a blast, Adam. I know originally we said we would we would talk for about half an hour. And I mean, it's just been a phenomenal conversation. And I mean, when you were talking, it actually I was jotting down other questions. Oh, we might have to get you back on so we can talk about some of these other topics we didn't even touch on. But yeah, any, feel, free, uh, feel free to edit me down. <laughs> awesome. Any uh, any final uh, words that you want to share with uh, all of our listeners before we uh, we take a short break here? Um, Toronto rocks. We look forward to all of your fans buying into our team. Sooner or later, <laughs> it will happen. Awesome. <laughs> Open that door Join again. The, uh, I won't even mention the Memphis Titans. We went so close. You know, we you, were, almost, you almost liked me. Yeah, exactly. So you'll never hear Adam join us ever again. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks again. Uh, We are going to take ourselves a short break here and uh, go into the fray. Back into the fray. 
So here we are in the fray, and again, thank you, Adam, for joining us, uh, sharing with us all of that insight, that fabulous information. Uh, there was so much that we learned that we actually ran out of time, uh, and I think we'll have to get Adam on a, again in a, in a future podcast, because he was open, he was honest, he was forthcoming with information, he also brought a little heat, which was fine. I mean, Sam is here to try to defend the honor of uh, of the West Coast, and he is still doing it here on the stream with West Coast, Best Coast. If only he wasn't muted right now and he could actually, you know, say something to us. It's hard. <laughs> I'm I'm losing my voice literally. <laughs> but well, I mean, uh, I it's fine. Like when you get so so few uh, wins, you know, you gotta. You gotta count them when they I've always them. said if if we're gonna deal trash talk when we're winning, we gotta take it when we're losing. So <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. The uh, at some point in time though, we're gonna see uh, Sam rocking Toronto Defiant threads. Mark my words. I don't. I don't know about that one. We basically just spent an hour talking Defiant, right? So does that mean like I already lost the bet that we, <laughs> even though we haven't lost the bet? I think we might need to change it up. Yeah, and for those for those trying to remember, what's this bet? Remember, Sam and I have a bet. If Overwatch 2 comes out in 2020, he has to talk about the Toronto Defiant for an episode. And if it does not come out in 2020, you are going to have to listen to basketball nonstop. So again, anyone here from Activision Blizzard listening, trust me, you want to ensure Overwatch 2 comes out uh, this year. Um, let's talk a little bit, however, about the week that was. So the uh, tournament uh, kicked off in fine fashion. Now, the Friday matches were all in North America. And so you had the qualification match between the Defiant and the Titans. So the Defiant were to get through. You then had the four, next sort of four, you know, top tier of the worst teams. I don't know how to describe that any differently. Teams five, six, seven, and eight getting to choose their opponents. Paris Eternal, who got to choose first, did not choose the Defiant. They actually chose the Boston Uprising. The Atlanta Reign chose the Toronto Defiant. The LA Gladiators chose the Washington Justice. And we got the Battle of Texas when Dallas faced off against Houston. There was no choice to be had there. That is simply how it worked That's out. It's destiny. Now, Paris, I think, was trying to play the long game, thinking we don't want to play against a Toronto Defiant team that might match up better against us than the Boston Uprising, and they proceeded to get taken to five. They only won 3-2. Like that, watching a little bit of that, and again, I was trying to earn tokens, so I wasn't paying a lot of attention. I must admit, there were probably some very worried Eternal fans watching that uh, that match. But Paris got through. Uh, the Atlanta Reign uh, made quick time against the Toronto Defiant. In fact, on Anubis at one point, the Atlanta Reign suddenly won. Now, I don't know if it was a stream issue <laughs> where um, we just, you know, saw some time shifting take place, but the Reign weren't capping the point in, in OT. They were simply doing a lot of tactical crouching outside of the zone, allowing the Defiant to actually get into another no. Time and space just collapsed into itself. Big yeah. thing about big thing about that game is if our, our friends over at CA Overwatch they did an interview with Adam as well, and they talked a lot about how uh, the Define actually lose to Atlanta and scrims a lot. So, so this even though it doesn't look like a rivalry from our perspective, just you know, two East Coast teams doing whatever, like mm -hmm. they they were quite upset about that. So okay, yeah, I mean, I I tweeted out from RSP that uh, that matchup was brought to you by the letters B and M. <laughs> 
the LA Gladiators uh, quite handily beat the Washington Justice 3-0, and the Dallas Fuel handily beat the Houston Outlaws 3-1. So that gets us into the weekend. So I'm actually going to jump over to the Asia bracket. So the Guangzhou Charge, finishing first in Asia, got themselves a quarterfinal bye. They went straight through into the semifinal. You had the Hangzhou Spark taking on the Seoul Dynasty, the New York Excelsior taking on the Chengdu Hunters, and the Shanghai Dragons taking on the London Spitfire. Uh, This wasn't a choice. This was simply best seed available. The Seoul Dynasty, quote-unquote, upset, and I'm using air quotes for those listening to the podcast, uh, the Hangzhou Spark 3-0. But one of the things about the Dynasty is that I don't think their record quite clearly showed how good they were. And if you recall in that last episode, there were some people giving them some serious love. And I'm actually going to go and give another shout out to the guys at CA Overwatch uh, because that was the, the team that they thought uh, could potentially throw that back at a skew. Yeah. The New York Excelsior got past the Chengdu Hunters 3-2 in what was probably a closer matchup than anyone would have imagined, considering how surgical New York happens to be. And the London Spitfire gave the Shanghai Dragons a serious run for their money with the Dragons coming up on top 3-2. So we then jump over into Saturday for North America. So the San Francisco Shock got to take on the Dallas Fuel. Uh, they had no trouble here winning 3-1. The LA Valiant to beat the Paris Eternal 3-2. I'm not going to suggest this was an upset. The, the LA Valiant uh, were a good team and had a better record than the Paris Eternal. But Paris, I think, matched up against the Valiant better, and the Valiant were able to go and, and uh, make magic happen. The Philadelphia Fusion beat the LA Gladiators 3-1, and the Florida Mayhem, a surprising team in the East that probably doesn't get the respect they deserve, beat the Atlanta Reign 3-1. Semifinals in the North American bracket. San Francisco Shock uh, took LA Valiant uh, down to SpongeBob's house, and they now own SpongeBob, so they beat the Valiant 3-0. And the Florida Mayhem beat the Philadelphia Fusion 3-1. Now, Florida had actually the, the second best record. Uh, so, you know, we have to give them props. But this was an entertaining match. And it was crazy. Like, we saw Soldier. We saw Soldier yeah. versus Soldier. When was the last time we actually saw Soldier come in to fight? So- like, it, normally it's Soldier because, okay, this maybe needs yeah. to do or this. Or hero pulls. Yeah. yeah. Last time is when we watched Call of Duty. That's the only time we see soldier. Well, they saw Tuna and the soldier when they played against them, and they thought, well, that, that might work. That's the wrong game. We taught him everything we know. <laughs> and so that set up a final between the San Francisco Shock and the Florida Mayhem. But I'm going to jump back over to Asia here. So our semifinals in Asia had the Seoul Dynasty taking on the Guangzhou Charge. That was a nice fight. Seoul came out 3-2, and again... Seoul technically is the lower seed, but arguably a much better team than their their seed indicated. That said, Guangzhou was the number one seed, so you have to give them credit. They were by far the the team expected to win, and they did not. You then have the Shanghai Dragons taking on the New York Excelsior, and the New York Excelsior could provide no answer to the Dragons, setting up a final between the Dynasty and the Dragons. Now, I'm going to stay in Asia because this is the first final that uh, kicked off. If you happen to stay up to watch this or got up early to watch it, you saw one of the craziest matches I think you will 
ever see, whether it be a stage final, tournament final, grand final, final final. The Seoul Dynasty were up 3-0. How many people were watching that and decided to, one, go to bed, turn it off, do something else, or simply go on with their life? And missed out on the Shanghai Dragons winning not one, not two, not three, but four maps in a row. LeBron James James vibes there. (laughs) (laughs) Omni and I were both waiting to say that. But like, we hear about reverse sweeps when it's like best to three, like first to three. This is unfrickin' believable. Well, we... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. yeah. Like we, we, or I talked about the Soul Dynasty being being my pick last week because I mean, like dragons were the easy pick, and I think I think Omni mentioned NYXL, and I said Soul, and like those were the three teams that we were looking at, and and Soul is frustratingly good, and and I mean that to say like if if you were a Soul Soul Dynasty supporter, and I, I'm looking at a couple of them in chat, um, like you know you're up three zero on what everybody believes is one of the best if not top two teams in the league and you're laughing right and and the the weirdest thing is and it's not actually it's not that weird because there's a very good reason why is is the best comparison i can make is to the london spitfire season one right like nobody really expected them to take the championship like that was that was like new york's you know walk in the park year right like they should have cleaned up beginning to end Mm -hmm. and and london came in and took the lunch money um, but it's the same characters, right? You got their coach, you got Profit, you got Gesture, you got Bedosin. Actually, I don't know if Bedosin was in season one, but um, I can't remember now. It's it's a while back. But it's just when they're on, they're on. And when they're off, they can lose. I don't even remember the worst team they lost to this year, but they, they've had some duds. Yeah, it's uh, really unfortunate. And then like Snorlax Gaming says in the chat, it's like imagine losing four maps that you chose yourself as well. It makes it even crazier. Uh, an amazing game to watch, really. I think people were complaining so much about Hero Pools, but but guess what? I think just by going through, uh, you know, the ups and downs of Hero Pools and coming to this map where everything goes, you saw so much variety in, in the heroes picked all the time. You got the Tor picks, you got the Sim, you got the Ash, you got the... It was a nuts testament to how great Overwatch can really be. And every time we bury it again and again, it pulls its hand out of the grave again to say like, well, this, this is how it looks like when it's done properly. And both, both teams played really, really well, especially with the huge talent that you saw on both occasions, lots of clutch plays that like, for example, Fleta 4k on, on Kings row was insane on the widow or profit just going nuts on the tracer every time and time again. And our boy slime didn't even play. Well, no, and I, yeah. that's what I was going to mention. You know, Slime in this fight did not uh, not get in. Um, I, I want to actually sort of call back to something that Adam had shared about, uh, you know, the way the game could be and, and how much fun it can be. What we saw with this tournament without the impl- implementation of hero pools as they exist, I think introduced fun. There were a lot more exciting matches. Like from a viewing perspective, uh, there were, I mean, yes, there were a couple of duds, but that was more, I think, you know, matchup between teams. But I would say there were m- many more times where you got to see someone pop off. Yeah. And we didn't see, you know, the the potential of, uh, you know, a, a somber goats type 
matchup, you know, like we saw double shield, sure, but I think hero pools as they've been put into place were an experiment to try to solve a problem that the Overwatch League didn't know how to address. This tournament showed that the solution that they put into place is not the best one. Now, does that mean hero pools are going to go? No, but I hope they take the data that they saw. I, from, I just want to be play devil's advocate here really quick. I think that if we didn't have hero pools, we would have never in a million years got the coaches and players brave enough because I think oh. we had another mental issue with how what, what metas are perceived to be and how stagnant people just in their mindset of trying out new things. And I think this kind of opened the door for that. Sure. And I, I, I was going to note, like I don't necessarily think hero pools are going to go away. And you're right. They probably were maybe the precipice to what we've now seen. Yeah. But I think the evolution needs to take place. The hero pools, if they do exist moving forward, exist in such a way that you can actually coach and build around them. Right. I mean, as the as the resident anti-hero pool guy on this podcast, like like my biggest frustration is just it stresses the players out, it stresses the coaches out, it stresses the people who make the graphics out, it stresses Zoe's cat out. But but here here's my suggestion: if hero pools must stay, here's my hero pool suggestion: instead of bands, Tracer, Widow, Genji, somebody has to play one every map, and I guarantee you will watch. That's it. Okay, so so it's almost like a reverse pool. It's like the guaranteed pick. I don't know. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, in my mind, I mean, this is the opportunity to experiment right now. Like, we're, we're seeing the evolution of the schedule. We know that June will introduce another form of regional tournament. So I think, you know, if the Overwatch League wants to sort of start future, you know, looking future forward, Maybe something like that uh, can take place. Just, you know, using the tournament or introducing almost, I don't want to say arcade rules, but having almost an experimental card within the league. Uh, but again, we don't know what the sort of long-term structure is for the, the remainder of the season. Now, uh, back to the actual uh, tournament itself. The North American final between the San Francisco Shock and the Florida Mayhem. The score was 4-2 for the Shock, but this wasn't a 4-2 that was handily the San Francisco shock. It was a back and forth battle. Uh, in fact, you know, we had set up an interview with Adam thinking that uh, 6 p.m. Pacific was actually a safe time. And like I'm, I'm messaging him saying, hey, looks like we're going to go a little bit longer. Um, how do you want to approach this? And um, he was soaked. He's like, oh, yeah, no, let's, let's wait until this is over. And then he follows up with another message. I hope it goes seven. And, you know, you can one having heard the interview, you can hear the passion in, in his voice about the the Overwatch League and the game and that. But we were seeing some phenomenal Overwatch. Maybe not Vancouver Titan San Francisco shock level. No bias, obviously. But, but my goodness, it was like you could tell these two teams were were given her. And Florida, I mean, they they are a top your team yeah. in a world without hero pools. I don't know if if hero pools knock them down. I don't know if they have the, the flexibility within the roster in a world of hero pools, but you take them out, they were able to go and play to their strengths. It was it was some good fun. Yeah. Saya player was the problem. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I mean you can't you can't argue it. But, yeah you can <laughs> but like the the mayhem were definitely like not as deep as as the shock and one of the things i tweeted out during the map is is like at one point we saw i think it was a 
Violet going off on on BAP and mm-hmm. and Moth was playing the Zen, you know, being being the good team player Moth is. And Moth was fine, but Moth isn't Twilight. And if you imagine Twilight on the Zen at that point, yeah. you know, without the ping, since he's still hanging out in Korea, which is why I presume that, you know, he hasn't integrated into the team yet. Like that, like that is a scary, scary team. Even with Sinatra gone, even with Architect gone, like these guys are so, so good. Um, and that's with me giving full props to the mayhem. Like, you know, Omni and I have been joking all season about how they're the floor to mayhem. Um, I apologize. You're making me eat my words publicly. Here's my public apology. Do you think the shock are better than Shanghai and, and Seoul? Mm, yes. Really? Okay. I was, see, I, I don't think. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't think so. I think it, hero. I think hero pulls. I actually would then give it to the shock. Take here, like, and that's where take hero pulls out of the equation. Maybe not so much. But at the championship, the hero pulls will be out of the equation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the uh, San Francisco Shock one, and I, I'm, you know, for those Titans fans tuning in, like, oh, did did uh, Twilight make it in? No, not at all. Um, but that didn't stop Twilight from uh, tweeting <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> He was clutch from the bench. Hard carry. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was fun. You know what? I I like seeing, you know, someone like Twilight uh happy. I mean, I, I want to see obviously all the former Vancouver Titans players happy, but you know, we had the opportunity to interview these players and sort of get to know them a little bit. And, you know, Twilight, you could tell, I mean, he and he wanted to win. He wanted to to work hard. He wanted to play hard. Like he was all about business. Um, he's also all about Balenciaga, but the point being, uh, good, good on him. And it does sound like he will be, uh, making his way over to the United States. So what does that mean for the Overwatch League right now? Not a whole lot. They are taking a break. They'll be back with a June tourney kicking off the weekend of June 13, 14. All we know is there is a June tournament. It's a regional tournament. So I'm going to presume it's very similar to the one we just saw in May. I'm not entirely sure how much uh, different it'll be, or if it'll be sort of just, you know, a different uh, schedule to, to play into seating. We'll obviously learn that as we go. And you can rest assured us that uh, Ready, Set, Pwn are going uh, to be uh, providing that to you, whether it be here on a podcast or as it seems to happen, all the greatest and uh, awesome news break on Wednesday after the episode is recorded. So, We'll make sure we start on social. Uh, now, if you're tuning into the uh, actual live stream, you're apparently hacked into my computer and seeing our, our rundown. But at this point, we were going to talk a little bit about some of the moves that took place in the Overwatch League in the last week. And there were some. Now, let's get the one out of the way that sort of came up in chat. Janu was on a, a two-week contract. He has now since been signed long-term. Uh, and that signature was not made uh, by... Uh, their previous general manager. That's right. The, uh, Washington Justice dropped Ballin and Banny. Uh, Banny being insisting which Ballin being their general manager in what has to be one of the most poorly worded statements uh, that I can ever remember reading. Like it was, and I'm paraphrasing here, and that might become across as harsh, but the Justice essentially phrased the statement as in, to become a better team, we wish these two people good luck in the remainder of their careers because they're not with us. Like, that's weird. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to look at it any it's other straight way. Straight up unprofessional. 
Like, even if there's, like, something going on, I mean, people go and they rag on, let's say, the Vancouver Titans. But the Vancouver Titans, you know, they acknowledge, yeah, we've made a, sh- a shift. We wish these, you know, people well. And they move on. Like, that, it's, sure, maybe you could say the the sanitized approach. But there's a reason why you go about that. Now, if you might say, oh, well, let's add some color. That ain't it, Chief. Like, that was nuts. No color here. Yeah. So. The Washington Justice have promoted Prey to GM, and he's the one who signed Janu to the long-term contract. Now, the signing of that contract also came with some language that Janu might be coming to the United States himself uh, after this uh, tournament and then be ready in June. Now, I am not a lawyer. Um, I did stay on a Holiday Inn Express once, which apparently gains to you knowledge, according to their, their ads. But I'm a little bit curious how U.S. visas work, because my understanding was that uh, uh, essentially the, the work visa or the visa that's required would not survive the termination of the previous contract, and therefore a new application would need to be made. And right now, with the pandemic as it is, trying to get your visa interview wouldn't be tough. And I know people will say, well, when there's a lot of money, you can go and get these expedited visas and interviews. and all that. Yeah, sure, but even in the, the current state of the world, that doesn't seem to be happening. So if you happen to have a, a good handle on the law in the United States, but also happen to know the world of esports, uh, let us know. I'm just genuinely curious how that all works. Maybe they thought he was playing for the Washington Capitals or something. <laughs> well, the United States has actually lifted uh, the quarantine rules for professional athletes. I don't know if that includes esports, but it's a lot easier yeah, to get into Because athletes do push-ups so they don't get COVID. Yeah, something like that. Um the other thing that uh, we'd already talked about was the Toronto Defiant did also pick up a player just like the Vancouver Titans did, but Zick was on a 14-day contract. Whether or not that uh, remains to be the case and whether we'll see him come June, we don't know, but that is the latest. What else is going on in the world of Overwatch right now? Well, the anniversary event is still live. Uh, myself, Omni, and Sam had some fun in Mystery Heroes yesterday. True. Uh, Omni was going all, you know, Widow on Torb. Was it 34 kill streak or something? Yeah, something like that. Well, Torb, Torb is my boy. Yeah. I've been the, playing um, him, uh, before it was uh, a legit good pick, too. <laughs> uh, the uh, Mystery Heroes, the great uh, definer of, of true skill because true. You, you get what you get. Um, last night when I was actually playing, I got uh, three Mystery Hero matches that essentially was the same group of people no one was leaving, which is very rare, I find. And someone actually commented after the third in a row where I got the play of the game. Do you ever get tired, Light Force, of getting the, the play of the game? And I'm like, no, no, team effort, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, map number four comes out. I don't get the POTG. Why? Because as Anna, when I went and amped up Soldier and he went and got himself a 5K, um, he got the play of the game. And people are like, holy hell, Like I'm leaving. This Light Force guy is obviously a smurf. This is Mystery Heroes. Was that the game we got called Platts? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's the other thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what, though? Like, we, we, we played really, really well. And just just to mention the fact that, that Stitch wasn't able to carry you guys uh, to a victory, but I was. And, and guess what? Neither he or me are in Overwatch League right now. So, coincidence? <laughs> I think not. Well, okay. Stitch technically still is under contract-ish, I think. Isn't still? For, 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 for like another few, like four days or something, yeah, okay. something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
he has that over me. Damn it. Yeah. And then uh, again, uh, if you are watching the live stream, you must, you know, Atomic Skull have hacked into my computer because the next thing I wanted to talk about was that it broke today. <laughs> BlizzCon has been officially canceled mm. for 2020. Mm. Now, um, to summarize the the statement, and I think this is not a surprise to really anyone, um, Activision Blizzard couldn't come up with a scenario that would allow for uh, you know a convention like BlizzCon to take place in a manner that would do it justice. So the prudent decision was it was being canceled. And again, I mean, we've seen so many cancellations, and I think 2020 as a uh, a year for people to get together is likely a wash. There is the possibility we might see an online event. I can't imagine, you know, Activision Blizzard or Blizzard specifically, that relationship goes an entire year without some form of announcement. And we are seeing a lot of, of different developers um, provide sort of the online experience. Um, you know, we know that there is a strong chance to see two new consoles uh, launch, both uh, Microsoft and Sony working on the, was it the Xbox X, was it? And what their next mm-hmm. generation is, and then the, or something like that. Yeah, like I mean, add yeah, Xbox One, Xbox X, or whatever. Um, and then you have the the PlayStation Five. So we're seeing the you know even them start talking a little bit about uh, the hardware and uh, and the process online. So I, I could see that happening. Yeah. Uh, and and from there we get to learn more about you know the possibility of an Overwatch Two, which I I hope Beyond Hope is released in twenty twenty. If it was 2020, it would have been released at BlizzCon, so... At least it's not that Xbox that you make a 360 turn and you, you walk away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I just hope they bring out like a Direct or something, like a Blizzard Direct. Well, like Nintendo does, right? Like that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. Nintendo does are Directs. It's all online. Like even even during like you know, you know, E3 and that, they do yeah. a Direct. BlizzCon 2020 is when they announce Overwatch for Stadia. <laughs> okay, I have a Stadia. Just to, to I mean, I, I mean, if you I listen to the pod, podcast long enough, you know, I, I am, I, I, I have a, an addiction. I have a Stadia. I have a PlayStation 4, PlayStation 4 Pro. I have an Xbox One. I have a Nintendo Switch. I have obviously my PC here. If I go down, sort of other generations: PS3, PS2, PS1, Xbox. Uh, 360. I don't have the Xbox originally anymore. I have a PSP. I have a PS Vita. Where do you? What? Why do you have two Playstations? So the original PlayStation Four that I had started to struggle with, obviously some of the newer titles. And this is actually more uh, work related thing. My benefits plan provided a wellness like uh, benefit that I could use, like wow. legitimately use to purchase a PlayStation. For Pro, and that's what I did because that helps me reduce stress. It's good for my health. I should negotiate for that. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, what's the timestamp on that? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's going to be tough to, to slice and dice, but uh, you see all the frustration from win from our losses and and uh, the team going away, and you got to believe me because of that. Just <laughs> from sheer jealousy. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, no, I mean, it's it doesn't get me anything. I have actually, have, and, and speaking of Overwatch, I have it on the PlayStation as well as on PC. I have not played it on PlayStation for a long, long time. In fact, the only, the only person that I would have played on PlayStation with was probably Sam, but now he's on the yep. world of PC too. So mm-hmm. 
Uh, there might be others, but ultimately it's just hard to, to get TV time in the pandemic. The wife and the and baby force thing. So, so what you're yeah, saying is you have 18 consoles and no TVs to put it on. <laughs> no, exactly. Like my, and I mean, my wife and I we were talking about. Uh, I mean, originally our plan was is to to move this year. It's not happening because we need a bigger place. I mean, we have a one bedroom and a den, so my my daughter needs a bedroom. Um, and I, we, one of the places we were looking at had like a den and we're sort of talking about how I would turn it into like an office game room and all that. And she's like, Oh, you'd put a TV down there. I'm like, no, man, I'd get enough monitors that I could have everything hooked up. (laughs) And then she looked at me real weird. You have enough consoles to make a bed for your daughter. I don't want her sleeping on those things. You just have like a console bed. The PS4 hump could be the pillow. Uh, this is what people There's turn a lot into. of sharp edges on those. <laughs> yeah, the the top notch content that you get from Team RSP. Uh, but that is our our episode. Again, uh, for those of you who are tuning into the live stream, we kicked it off talking a little bit about the payload, uh, and then we went into an interview with Adam. For those listening to the podcast, which if you were in the live stream, you're going to have to download tomorrow to hear that phenomenal interview. And then uh, here on the fray, we talked a little about the week that was and the week that will be, which isn't. So you might be thinking, wait, wait, wasn't there supposed to be big, big news? There is. Over the past year and a half, us at Ready, Set, Pwn have strived to build a community. We have looked to move this force of nature family forward. And we finally decided the only way to do that is to get bigger. So we're going to have some special guests joining us over the next few episodes to talk a little bit about what bigger means to us, Team RSP, to you, our, 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 our valued listeners, our valued viewers, our valued community. And, and quite frankly, the things that we have sort of lined up to happen over the course of the next few weeks, the next few months, and into 2021 are top tier stuff. So I know big tease, big bait, but you don't want to miss any episodes moving forward. Cause trust me, you miss it. It'll be old news and you will be playing catch up the entire time. Not watching overwatch next week. Anyway, that's true. You might as well watch us tune in, listen, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's people here who are talking about what might be happening. And I mean, there's, there's pog champs galore going on in chat. But uh, a few things I do want to mention. One of the ways that you can keep in touch with us at RSP is by being part of our own community and joining our Discord. The easiest way to get into Discord is discord.io slash readysetpwn. Being part of that conversation gets you to stay on top of all of the latest, greatest news. And we do have an inner sanctum for those supporters that have chosen to show us a little love on Patreon. And that's patreon.com slash readysetpwn. Our patron chat gets access to juice that even the juice doesn't like doesn't make it to like you know public consumption like we're we reward those who who, who reward us just want to say it um the other thing Omni is unfiltered well, yeah the other thing <laughs> is that if you want to show us some love we are affiliated on twitch so if you go to twitch.tv slash set pawn and, and give us a follow, we greatly appreciate it. But you can also drop subs. You can drop bits. Uh, if you drop a sub on Twitch, you get access to our currently one emote, the Wednesday emote, which for those listening to the podcast, tuning in, know all the lore behind Wednesday. 
and we are looking at doing uh, some pretty cool things moving forward in, in that realm as well. But before we wrap up this episode, there's probably some questions about this update to our logo on Discord and our logo on Twitter that, that, that you might have seen. We made that change because we wanted to show respect to not only Adam, who joined us as a guest, but also to the Toronto Defiant, who did beat the Vancouver Titans in the Battle of Canada. But rest assured, we will remain your premier source for everything to do with the Vancouver Titans from here onward. But we make no guarantees that we won't become even more than that. We want to be your premier source for everything that you ever need to know about the Overwatch League. So stay tuned. RSP has some big ideas, and we want you to be along for the ride. So before we call this episode a done deal, any final words of wisdom, uh, gentlemen, to our viewers as well as our listeners? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be a big tease like uh, Life Force here. I'm just going to tell it how it is. Starting from uh, next week and going forward, we're going to be your premier source. Bro, we're live. Dude, you can drop all that. That's I, 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 I am like, do I in post? If he breaks his NDA, I get to break my NDA, right? Like, if do I? How do I fix this in post production? Like, I, I, like I can go and adjust the the podcast episode, but I can't, I, I can't fix the stream. Like, dude, man, Alex, dropping some truth bombs there. <sighs> I'm I'm worried to even let Sam have an opportunity to talk here now. <laughs> I don't have anything to say other than I think if you want to work or play for the Vancouver Titans, Omni, here's all you got to do. Here's a pro tip. Just change your gamer tag to a Transformer name and you're gold. Oh, definitely will do. Megatron, here you come. <laughs> As for me, thank you for those of you who tuned into our live stream. We'll be back again next week week with all the latest and greatest the vancouver titans the overwatch league we are looking as i said to get some special guests lined up uh and we may be able to get them either on a live stream but guaranteed you will see them join us in upcoming podcast episodes you will not want to miss them if you've reached the end of this episode and you want to continue to get more make sure you smack that follow button in whatever podcast app you happen to use and as is our practice if you like what you saw let us know all reviews that you leave, whether it be in Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast application, or even better on podchaser.com slash already set phone, those reviews get read verbatim. I will read them word for word. You want me to say things that you know I would otherwise never say, and some people have in the past? Leaving a review is the best way to go about doing that. Now, if you don't like the podcast, let us know as well. We're always looking to improve. Um, one of the things that we might need to do is also cut a co-host who can't keep his mouth shut because he just broke an NDA, and my goodness, post-production is going to be <laughs> I thought it was going to be me for sure. Yeah, I hope we don't have that many like l good uh, lip readers in the chat. 
Uh, and then as well, if you ever want to hear yourself as part of an upcoming episode, you've got a question for us or just some special thoughts you'd like to share, there are two ways to go about getting that to us. One is by actually leaving us a voicemail. Our number is 604-409-3324. That's 604-409-3324. You can leave a voicemail or you can send us a text message. And if you'd rather just use your computer to make that magic happen, go to voicelink.fm slash readysetpone. That's voicelink.fm slash readysetpone. So on behalf of Sam at another Sam Chan, Ani at Ani Strength, myself, Chris at Lightforce, I'm going to sign off this episode with those magical two words, catchphrase. Thank you.